baby dedication tonight, so we've got so many of them, we've got to move along quickly tonight, and again, I know uh, there's a number of guests with us tonight, we certainly appreciate you coming out, and I know you're not here to hear me, I know that, you're here to see those babies get dedicated, and I don't blame you, they're precious, aren't they? So precious, I think I have a couple of them, well, at least one tonight, uh, that's going to be getting uh, dedicated, and uh, a, a, not a child, <laughs> A grandchild. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? They'd start calling me Abraham. But anyway, <clears throat> so I got a grandchild at least, and that's good. And one of my other grandchildren was here this morning, was kind of hoping it was this morning, and it was tonight. Well, actually, she knew. She just was bumming because it wasn't in the morning because they were going away on vacation. Uh, they left earlier today. And uh, so it's one of those deals. And uh, I think, we, I, I don't know, let's take a vote real quick. How many of you would like to see some baby dedications on Sunday mornings? Let me see hands. Eh, how many of you just don't like kids? Okay, uh, I can tell, I can see that, right? You know what I mean? Come on now, everybody, like, everybody wants to, you know, loves kids, right? Jesus loved kids. If you don't love kids, you ain't right with God, right? Okay. Uh, I think we're going to start having some in the morning. I think we'll do that. But we couldn't do it this morning. There's too many of them. I mean, there's a boatload of them, but so, but uh, we could do that. Okay, Psalm chapter 127, Psalm 127, again, just a, a time of uh, a reflection tonight, trying to remember and remind ourselves of what this whole thing about baby dedication is. 
Psalm chapter 127, we're going to begin reading in verse 1, and uh, don't get, you know, we're going to read the whole chapter, okay? It's only five verses, but anyway, that's what we're going to do, okay? Some of you are like, a whole chapter? Oh man, we'll be here for all, all night, this is crazy. Well, we're not in Isaiah, so uh, Psalm chapter 127. <clears throat> I um, just came back from, well, I, I, I was preaching this, this afternoon at the, uh, at the um, I, I always worry about what you call these facilities. Now, it used to be they were nursing homes, but now they're, they're assisted living and they're nursing homes. There's all kinds of things. There's so much going on there. Anyway, I was at a, a facility like that again, preaching this afternoon, and I sang a song for those folks, and, and um, it, wasn't, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, I sang a song for uh, one of our church members like that that went home to be with the Lord, and um, <clears throat> I sing it quite often. I sing it quite often. I feel like I, I'm going to sing it now, okay? And it's, um, it's a simple song. It's called Beulah Land. But every time I sing this, I can't help but think about the many people who were literally on, on the precipice of heaven that I sang it for, laying on their as we would often call it, a deathbed. And just, just that close to heaven. <clears throat> I'm kind of homesick for a country to which I have never been before. No sad goodbyes will there be spoken. For time won't matter anymore. Beulah land, I'm longing for you. And someday on thee I'll stand. There my home shall be eternal. land, sweet land. I'm looking down across that old river where my faith is going to end in sight. There's just a few more days down here to labor. Then I will take my heavenly flight Beulah land, I'm longing for you. And someday on thee I'll stand. There my home shall be eternal. 
Beulah land, sweet Beulah land, Beulah land, sweet Beulah Psalm chapter 127, verse 1, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Father, we come to you this evening. We're asking, Lord, you just encourage us from the word of God. May you inspire us to be better for you. And Father, I thank you for these that have gathered, Lord, for the many guests that have come, Lord, just to be a part of and to not only witness, but then to also go forward in <clears throat> encouraging and helping these young couples to raise their children. Lord, their grandparents are needed and great-grandparents are needed. And Father, other men and women and church family members are needed. We, we need to encourage one another and help one another because, Lord, raising a child has never been easy. But Lord, it is so worthwhile. We thank you now, Lord, for the privilege it is to gather today to honor, to dedicate these children. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. You know, when it comes to children, they often get a pretty bad rap, don't they? You know, they're, they're challenging, to say the least. No doubt about that. But the benefit certainly outweighs the drawbacks, at least in my mind especially as a grandparent. It's so much better when they go home with you. But according to our passage in verse 3, it says, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. In verse 5, he says, Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. Again, we joke about the insanity that children can bring into the home, and for good reason. But that should only be a small part of the reality. And let's take a moment tonight and let's just consider the idea of dedicating a child to the Lord. What is it really all about? Well, we think about the book of 1 Samuel. Turn there, would you? 1 Samuel chapter 1. And we're going to note a character in the Bible by the name of Hannah. And Hannah wanted a baby so bad, so bad, she goes to the temple and she begins to pray. She begs God for a baby. She's begging so vehemently and so fervently that Samuel the priest thinks that she's been dipping into the hard stuff. But that wasn't it at all. She was in bitterness of soul, so brokenhearted because she wanted a child. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10, it says, and she was in bitterness of soul, <clears throat> 1 Samuel 1.10. 1 
She was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the afflictions of thy handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Look at verses 17 through 18. As she's praying, of course, she, she said, is confronted by, Samuel, confronted by Eli the priest. And Eli then is going to share with her the fact that she shouldn't be doing some of those things that early in the day. And she's like, no, that's not what it's about. I haven't been drinking. The fact is I'm brokenhearted. And finally, in the end, 1 Samuel 1, 17 through 18, then Eli answered and said, go in peace and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat and her countenance was no more sad. He said, listen, God's going to send you a child. It's going to happen. And she left there excited and fired up. She wasn't sad any longer. There were no more tears. She had faith to believe that indeed she was going to have a child. So in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 20, the Bible says, Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. Well, I'll tell you what, if there's one thing we need to do more of, it's pray. Let's face it, there's not, there's not one of us in the room that doesn't have a need, and yet the one that can truly meet the need better than anyone else is God. So the child comes, and just like it was prayed for, just like it was prophesied, the child comes into the world. In 1 Samuel 1, and when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh. The child was young. Now they would wean children much later than we do now, and weaning meaning so that they're no more uh, receiving milk from their mother. And uh, they were often older. I've read in places where they were four to six years of age in this particular culture. Can't possibly imagine that myself, but... I mean, that's okay. I mean, I guess that's the way you do it. That's the way you do it. Uh, but anyway, Samuel's probably four years old, maybe five or six years of age now at this time. And so now she is going to do something that is virtually unthinkable by us as parents, really. I mean, she's going to literally just hand her child over to the priest and to the service of the Lord. So she brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. And so she carries him on in there in 1 Samuel 1, 27, 28. For this child I prayed, she said, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. And again, this is a marvelous picture of a baby dedication. Now, again, this is a physical dedication. She's literally handing her child to the priest, handing her child to the work of God, giving her child to the ministry already at that age. She's going to leave town and leave her child behind. That's a hard thing. I can't even imagine doing Can't wrap my mind around that. And yet, it's a wonderful picture of what it means to dedicate our children to the Lord, to literally uh, receive that child of the Lord and then to extend that child to God and say, he's yours, she's yours, and and I give her, I give him back to you. 
When we dedicate a child, we acknowledge some things. One, that our child is the Savior's. The child is God's child. In Psalm 127, we read verse 3, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. So we know children are from the Lord. We know that. The Bible says in James, Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above. Uh, is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. We know that children are gifts from heaven, that they're presented from the Father to you and I. They're really His. And we acknowledge that we're simply stewards. Turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 28. Let's identify what a steward is. 1 Chronicles chapter 28 verse 1. So first of all, we're going to acknowledge something. As we recognize or as we understand dedicating our child to the Lord, one, we first of all note that our child is the Savior's, that he or she is actually His on loan to us, as we're going to see here as stewards. That's what the Bible says here, 1 Chronicles 28, 1. <clears throat> so let's identify what it means, because really we're stewards over God's possessions. Notice what it says. And David assembled all the princes of Israel, the princes of the tribes, the captains of the companies that ministered to the king by course, and the captains over the thousands, and captains over the hundreds, <clears throat> and the stewards over all the substance and possession of the king, and of his sons, with the officers, with the mighty men, and with all the valiant men under, under Jerusalem. So David's assembling all these people. And notice he says, he assembled the stewards over all the substance and possession of the king. The stewards are over all the substance and possession of the king. A child is God's possession. A child is God's. And that child is given in trust to you and I as parents. We become simply stewards. We are over the substance and the possession of the king. That's what a steward is, someone that's overseeing another's possessions. And in this case, that child that you hold in your hand, that's so precious and tiny and so uniquely different than any other human being on this planet, is God's child, it's His possession. And God has given that child into your watch care. And you are to oversee that child on behalf of God while on this earth. Our children are heaven-sent treasures, and they're entrusted into our watch care. In 1 Corinthians 4, 2, the Bible says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So not only are we stewards, but God says, You need to be faithful at this. This is precious cargo, and I have extended that child into your watch care. I'm telling you, you must be faithful. That child is so precious and so perfect in my eyes in that regard that I want you to care for that child in a very profound way. I want you to do your very best with every ounce of energy and effort and ability you have. I've entrusted them into your care. You are a steward of them on my behalf. Take care of my possession. and Do it the very best you can. <clears throat> So we've noted a couple of things as we consider dedicating a child. We acknowledge our child is the Savior's. We acknowledge that we're simply stewards. 
Well, we, if, we, if we really understood that, it would change everything. Number three, the blueprint for successful parenting is found in the Scriptures. And this is important. We have to, we have to if we're going to dedicate our child, we have to acknowledge that <clears throat> the blueprint for successful parenting is found in the Scriptures. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. You needn't be concerned, some of you grandparents in the room right now, great-grandparents, I do not have COVID. Something's caught in my throat right now. So as I get close to your grandbaby and great-grandchild, they're safe. Because <laughs> right now, some of you are thinking, I don't know if I want him near that guy. <clears throat> he keeps clearing his throat. What is wrong with him? I'm going to be a good steward and keep my child away from him. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 6. We need, to be, we need to understand that the blueprint for successful parenting is found in Scripture. Here it is, chapter 6, verse 6 through 9. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as fontlets before thy, between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy door and on thy gates. <clears throat> well, I'll tell you what, the Bible's being very clear here. It's very simple that the scriptures themselves contain the blueprint for raising a child as God would intend that child to be raised. There's no doubt about that. that. That word is in our hearts. It has to be first in our hearts. And we then begin to teach them diligently to our children. We talk about them consistently, continually. When we're rising up, when we're going to bed, throughout the day, God's word is so paramount, so important, so essential. So basically, we're dedicating our children, and we're taking that child, and, and God is handing us the child and putting that child into our hands. Then we hand that child back to God. That's what dedication really is. Being God's property, and we as stewards, we have to employ the blueprint. We have to employ the blueprint. See, that child's not really ours. That child is God's. So, as a Christian who's dedicating a child to the Lord, you're making a promise to do everything within your power to raise that child the way God would raise that child if he were on earth. Did you get that? I'm telling you, this is the thing we need to understand. This is God's child. You say, no, it's my child. You don't get in this. you got to understand that that child, you are simply a steward of that child. Yes, I know that technically you're going to bear the burden of that child. You're going to provide for that child. You're going to protect that child. That child is yours in the eyes of humanity. But may I say that that child legitimately is God's. Without God, you would not have that child. That child is his. He has handed that child to you through birth, and you now symbolically hand that child back to God and say, this child is really yours, I know it is, I'm giving that child back to you. And God's saying, and you say, how do I do that? You do that by raising that child the way God would if he was literally on earth. <clears throat> That's how you do it. 
That's, that's a little tricky, isn't it? I mean, you think, wait a second now, that's, kinda, that's a serious responsibility. It is. So let's assume for just a moment, okay, that you as a parent are going to go out for the evening, the two of you. And you go ahead and employ a babysitter. And you say, you know, <clears throat> before I leave, and this is every mom, there's a few things that the babysitter needs to know. You know, I don't know what age is. I'm going to go maybe with the children a little older because I'm, I'm not real up to speed on the baby thing, you know. I, 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 I'm not good with wiping throw up off their faces and changing diapers and all that. That's not about, that's not what I'm about. I got to be the best me I can be. <laughs> so let's just talk about kids in general. So say you have a few kids and you've employed a babysitter now to come to your house and to watch your children when you go out for the evening. And so mama says, hey, listen, there's a few things we're going to tell this babysitter. Uh, oh, first of all, excuse me, uh, no candy tonight. I don't want the children eating any candy. Number two, no pop, especially Mountain Dew. No pop. Now, we're going to be going a couple of hours, about two and a half hours, but no candy, no pop. Now, listen, make sure that they only play in the backyard. The backyard's fenced, right? Make sure they stay in the backyard. And then put them to bed by 9 o'clock. I want them in bed by nine. Babysitter's like, oh, okay, all right. She's like, you sure? You got it? You know? Remember, no candy, no pop. Play only in the backyard and in bed by nine. Yes, ma'am. You come home at 10.30, and the children are running throughout the house like madmen. They're going crazy. They're jumping over the couch. I mean, they're, they're hanging, you know, on the, the curtain rods. I mean, you're like, what is going on here? You go inside and you find out that, man, I mean, there's not a pop left in the house. I mean, those kids have been guzzling it, man. I mean, they are sugared up like nobody's business. And, and, and you see their bikes laying out by the front, front road. You know they weren't in the backyard playing. They were riding their bikes out front, maybe even in the street. Candy wrappers all over the living room floor. Chocolate all over their hands and faces. Let me ask you, how do you feel about, what do you think about your babysitter right now? <laughs> what do you think? I think you'd be pretty upset, right? I mean, the babysitter's supposed to follow your rules, right? You're the parent, right? Babysitter doesn't decide how they're going to treat the kids while you're gone. You tell them what's expected and then they just follow your rules because they're not the parent you are. Wait a second. When you really think about it, we're just babysitters in a sense for God. They're not really our children, they're God's. And he outlines and tells us exactly what the rules are and what the limits are and how we're to treat them and train them and 
moving forward in their life and we're simply to follow His direction. And so if we fail to do what God says, we're no better than the babysitter who disobeyed us as parents. Huh. Now we don't like to think that way because we'll do what we want. But I'm telling you what, we don't really have a right to do as we want. We have to do as God wants if we're going to do it His way. That's what dedicating our child is, handing it back to God, recognizing that the boy or the girl that God gave us is really His, and He has a right to demand of us whatever He chooses, to raise that child as He would because it's really His. We're simply stewards. Look at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, as we summarize the duties of a parent. Well, let's just summarize it very quickly. Proverbs 22, 6. This is one of those verses that has been debated and talked about for years. I mean, since I was young. I mean, this has been one of those things. Well, it was, uh, you know, uh, not depart mean not depart forever? Does that not depart mean that he'll come back one day to not depart? And you know how it is. You know. Let's just read it. And, and let me just give you a couple thoughts. Train up a child, he says in Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So train up a child in the way he should go. You know, when it's really all said and done, can I tell you that we as parents need to focus on that first phrase? We're just train them in the way they should go. Hey, train them to go down on their knees in prayer. Train them to go up into the house of God. Train them to go quickly to the word of God. Train them to go to the right and not to the wrong. Train them to go out into the world and proclaim the wonderful gospel to every creature. You see, the way he or she should go is outlined in scriptures, isn't it? It's pretty simple. I mean, train them to hotwire and steal cars. That's, we know that's not in the scriptures, right? Train them to lie any chance they get. No, we know that's not the case. See, I'll be frank with you. Whether you know Christ as your Savior or not, you know many of the things that God's already told us we ought to train our children to do. I don't care, I don't care what religion you are, what faith you are. I'm telling you, you probably know many of these truths. You know already, most of us know what we should be training our children to do overall. I know we live in a world where good is being called evil and evil is being called good more than ever. But we know, don't we? We know. When a parent dedicates their child to the Lord, it communicates a desire on the part of the parent, a desire to see them in the center of God's will now and forever. See, that's a, this is a spiritual journey that we're in as well. And so we want them in the center of God's will now and forever. We, a, a, a parent that dedicates their child to the Lord, 
has a desire to see God work in the lives of their child. Has a desire to see them in, in, in enjoying the benefit of a life yielded to Christ. It communicates a dependence on the part of the parent as well. A dependence on God to protect and care for them. The truth is, is that as a dad or a mom, you cannot protect your children from everything. It's impossible. There are too many variables. There's too many things that can go awry. And you know, if we're not careful, we can forget that God really is the protector and pretty soon we're putting the, you know, just trying to keep them so tight, so close, never allowing certain things. There are some things they're just going to, we just have to trust the Lord. Now, you won't take that bike around the block. And you live on a cul-de-sac street. They're going to, well, the neighbor might come flying down. They've got a teenager that's just totally out of control. Well, your kid's 16. Do you think it's time to let them ride their bike? You know, as parents, if we're not careful, we get really freaked out about stuff, right? There does come a point. I get it. That's, common, that's, that's wise to, to be careful and concerned, but there are things you can't protect your child from. You have to trust the Lord. I mean... That dependence on the part of the parent, it's a dependence on God to protect and care for them, but it's a dependence on the Lord to guide and direct their steps throughout life and into the future as well. And I invested in my children the best I could while they were in my home. I understood that, and I've used the illustration a number of times, that it was almost like that in a, in a port there's this huge cargo ship ready to take off into the ocean. And man, for 18 or 19 or 20 or 22 years, however long my children were in my home, I just kept filling up the cargo ship. I kept putting in the supplies and all the necessary things needed for a successful life. Because the moment they pull away from the dock, I can no longer give them much because they're on their own journey now. Oh, I can maybe help guide them. They can call back and say, hey, Dad, listen, it's a storm coming up here. Which way should we set the the, uh, set the uh, uh, course, you know, or should we go a little bit southeast or southwest or northeast or northwest? How should we go? I can do that, but the truth is I can't keep giving them more. They've already sailed. There's a lot I can't do for them now that I could do while they're in my home. And I want to encourage you parents to understand that you need to invest in your children all you can while they're young and while they're still in your home. And the fact is that they're impressionable and you can make an impact in their life. You've got to keep giving them the word of God and, and truly invest in them and continue to fill up the ship because there's coming a day that the door will close and they'll sail away and you'll be, and I sure pray and hope that they make good decisions. Some of us that are a little bit more seasoned, we know that the young people right now are going, oh, this is going to be tough raising this kid. You know, they're, they're, they're teaching them how to, you know, obey and teaching them to not do this and do that. And, and all of us that are a little older are going, wait till they're older. Wait till they're even out of your house and you're worried about them then. You can't control them then. <clears throat> Now it's really tough because you're praying your guts out that they make good decisions because you can't even tell them no now. So I guess all I'm saying to you parents is it doesn't get easier. Isn't that encouraging? It gets easier, but you still are concerned and worried for your kids their whole life. It never ends. It's what they do to us.
We depend on God to do what is best even when we don't understand it. You dedicate your child to the Lord if you don't always understand it. Wasn't that long ago one of my grandchildren uh, was born and they, they, they laid the same way all the time. And the back of their head was flat. Literally, it, the, the shape of their head, it was like it went round. Now, I, I'm just all about just grow long enough hair, you can cut it and round it out. But one day they might be like their grandpa, and then they're in trouble. Be like Mark Flathead O'Donnell. It's like, hey, you know that preacher over there, you know the one with the flathead? Won't be like, you know the one that sings Beulah Lent? No, it'd be the one with the flat head. I just know it. So the doctor said, we're going to have to put a special helmet on that child's head. And that child's going to have to wear that helmet literally 20 hours a day for four to six solid weeks. That's a little baby, four months old or something. Can you imagine? And, and I'm thinking, man, a little baby? Four months, you got to put that helmet on? It's in the heat of summer, and it's got to be on 20 or more hours a day. You can only take it off to basically clean the child. Even then, <laughs> you think, God, why? Why? Why, did, why? A parent that dedicates their child to the Lord says, you know what? I'm going to depend on you, Lord, that you know what's best, even when I don't understand it. Boy, I'm happy to tell you that after about six weeks of all that mess, seven, eight weeks of that mess, nice round head. And I think, boy, am I glad he put that helmet on. Because now they don't have to call him flathead. <laughs> Not only that, but this dedicating our child to the Lord, it communicates a delight on the part of the parent. A delight in their own walk with the Lord. A delight in God's goodness and blessing through the years. A delight in the, it, that's only found in Christ. And they want that for their child as well. See, you've come to a place where you said, you know what? This thing, the Christian life, is worth living. And I want my child to live that life. Man, the benefit of being a child of God is worth it all. I want my child to receive and accept Christ early on in their life so that they can enjoy the benefit and the blessing of that too. I'm going to dedicate my child to the Lord and then I'm going to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so that they themselves will ultimately appreciate what he did for them and they'll trust and receive him and depend on him like I have and what a blessing that is. I just want to make this, I want to, I want to kind of divert just a little bit and I want to say this, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if there's never been a time, a place when you literally bowed your head before God and humbled yourself before the righteous, holy God of heaven and acknowledged and admitted the fact that you are guilty of sin and that inside your heart it's pretty dark and black and wicked and sinful and that I need Jesus Christ alone to wash me and make me clean, and I'm receiving him now, I'm accepting him into my life, I must have Jesus who died for me 2,000 years ago in order to pay for my sin and to change my life forever. If you've never put your faith in Christ, you've never acknowledged his perfect sacrifice to make you his perfect child. Because I'm going to tell you something, we are born into sin, we will live in sin, and we'll die in our sin without Jesus Christ. And that's, the only reason we have to say that is because there, and listen, we say that because there's only two places that you'll spend eternity. It, 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 there's not a purgatory, by the way. 
You know, I know some religions teach different things, but according to the Word of God, and I'm talking about the Word of God, there are only two places. When you die, you either go to heaven or you go to a place that often is referred to as hell. And in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, verse 15, the Bible says that it, it calls it the lake of fire. That's scary. It's all because of our sin. That's not being negative. Hey, listen, let me tell you something. If you told me, you stay in that house tonight, I want you to know already there's a gas leak and there's a good likelihood it's going to blow up or catch on fire tonight. I think if I were you, I wouldn't go stay in that house. They've never figured out where the, the leak is, but yet you go in there, you can almost smell the gas. Man, if you light a cigarette in there, man, if something happens, if there's a spark in one of those outlets over there, it could just go up like that. I wouldn't be like, you know, you're so negative. You're so critical. I can't believe you trying to make me afraid. What's that all about? No, I'd be like, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad you warned me. I did not know that. But boy, I want to avoid that outcome. And I tell you what, I'm just letting you know the outcome is either heaven or hell, and it's up to you. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ hung on Calvary, and he literally shed his blood for you. He paid for your sin. And you know what? The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The name of the Lord. See, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among, where, uh, given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Jesus is the way. Have you put your faith and trust in Christ? If you're a parent today and you're dedicating a child, the first step is to get saved and then to ensure your child is growing up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, obeying the word of God. Maybe you're a grandparent today or you're a great-grandparent and you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ. That baby's being dedicated today and, and, and your, your family members are hoping and, and, and praying that you'll give them a hand in raising that child in a godly, Christ-like manner. It begins by knowing Christ as your Savior and then taking those steps to live it, to love it, and to learn it. Really got to learn it, then love it, and live it. God help us. Today, before we have our baby dedication, we're going to do that in just a moment. I'm going to give you an opportunity to confess your sin before a holy God, to humble yourself before him and say, Lord, I know that I'm that sinner that you died for. And I need you in my life to forgive me. I know there's only a heaven, there's a hell. And I want to ensure and know that it's heaven that I'll be in. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I want that everlasting life. And I'm going to believe in Jesus Christ today. I'm going to put my faith in the Lord today. I'm not going to delay. I'm not going to wait. I'm going to get it done so that I'm in the right place to help raise this child the way God would raise this child on earth. Father, we come to you. <clears throat> we ask you, Lord, to help us. We need you, that's for sure. Lord, the truth is, is that we're just human. 
we're fallible. And Lord, we struggle to do things exactly as you would have us to many times. And yet, Lord, we're begging you for the supernatural power that it takes to raise up, to train up our children as you would if you were on earth. We're simply stewards of that possession. You've given us that wonderful, wonderful gift. Lord, today there are many in our midst tonight. Lord, I'm praying that each and every one of them know Christ as their Savior. I pray, Lord, that if they don't know, that they would not sit in a seat, but they would come forward and allow someone to take a Bible and show them how they can know for sure heaven's their home. And it is simple as calling upon you. What a wonderful opportunity it is tonight that they have to settle that for eternity. And Lord, for the couples tonight that will be dedicating their children, maybe they need to come and say, Lord, we're dedicating ourselves first so that we can truly dedicate our child and do things the way you want us to. We're telling you, we're giving our best so that we can raise our child the way you would raise our child. We need you, Lord. We can't do it alone. Father, bless us now in these next few moments. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed, and we'll just let the Lord speak to our hearts. Do you know for sure heaven's your home? You have that one settled? If you don't, why don't you come? If you're a woman, I'll have a woman take a Bible and just show you how you can settle it. If you're a a man, we can have a man show you those things. Won't you let us do that for you tonight? Life doesn't end at the grave. We talk about Beulah Land. I sing that song earlier. There's a real place that will spend eternity with God.